welcome to episode 16 of Growing Your Successful Podcast, the podcast all about small business. I mean, growing your successful business. Six, yeah, sorry, geez. <laughs> Here, here we were just talking about how I'm, I'm, I'm sucking wind today, and here I prove it right out of the gate. Uh, growing your successful business. Yes, thank you, Paul. Uh, the podcast all about small business and all things relating to small business. Um, Want to remind you, listening, uh, you can find out how to how to uh, view and and hear our podcast if you go to brianlharding.com or growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com. All the links you need are right there. You can also send me an email at brian at brianlharding.com. And I'll remind you, don't be afraid to click that little share button on your uh, on your Facebook page there. And don't be afra- afraid to tell a friend or a coworker or a family member or somebody who's running or owning a small business that might get some value out of what we're doing here. Uh, today, we're super lucky to have our first repeat guest, Paul Long, Honor. Senior Vice President of Timberland Bank. And you can reach Paul at ptlong at timberlandbank.com or 253-671-3037. And today, um, we're not talking about banking today, so you might wonder why we have a banker on. <laughs> um, we're going to share a lot of ideas today on how to uh, differentiate yourself from your competition and far as, uh, as far as ways of being creative in marketing and offering a personal touch that, that uh, many folks won't. And Paul really is an expert at that, so that's why uh, Paul is here today. And I'll tell you that uh, uh, if you have a pen handy, you're going to want to grab it and some scratch paper. We're going to be throwing <laughs> out a lot of ideas today that you'll be want to you'll want to uh, be taking notes on. True. And uh, um, again, we're going to focus on, or we're going to spend our time talking about ideas of how to make yourself and your business stand out in your industry. And it those things work. Um, first of all, Paul, welcome. Thank you very much for coming <laughs> oh, on. Thank you, um, uh, Paul. Those things work because ninety-five percent of the people out there won't do the stuff we're going to talk about, which is sad. Yeah, it's sad. So we're it's super effective when you do it. The irony is, ninety-five percent of the people listening today also won't do it. <laughs> what the heck? Come on. <laughs> um, uh, but but that's great news for the five percent. Um, so if you're if you're able to to carve out and commit to doing this, carve out the time to do this and commit to it. And do it, uh, you can drastically improve your relationship with your customers and drastically improve your um, recruiting of customers and retention increase of customers. Sales. And, yeah, increase your sales, which equals dollars, FYI. And uh, oh. that's why we're all here, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's why we're doing this. That's, why we, go through, that's why we go through all the, the hassles of, of doing this stuff is, is, to, is to make some money, right? That's right. So one of the things um, uh, when I when you and I were talking before we got going here, uh, step one in my mind is kind of in what you and what you sent was kind of defining your ideal customer. So talk to us about that. What what do you mean when you say define your ideal customer? And why why do we care about doing that? Why is that important? Well, I think what's very interesting is that many small business owners when they first get into the business, they want the money. Right. And so they're like, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take anybody. Right. Let's just I, everyone's my client. Yep. After about a year or so, they start to be like, man, gosh, I'm so busy. It's crazy. Wait a second. I don't want that customer anymore. Right. Can I fire them? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure we'll talk about firing customers and such. But knowing who your ideal client is, I think that's absolutely crucial. So you know exactly how to network, how to market, how to really get in front of those ideal customers. Right. So, Paul, I'm going to ask you to talk just a little bit closer to that microphone there. Uh, one of the things that has been a recurring theme over the last several weeks of this podcast is folks who explain going through the process of starting out, and you have all this momentum, all this excitement, and you flip the switch on day one, and it's crickets. There's nobody <laughs> there. Uh, the customers aren't there. If you thought you were going to have any right away, you're disappointed, or you knew you weren't going to have any right away, but you know you got to open the doors at some point. 
And so it's pretty easy just in human nature to say, well, I have nothing. Something is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. And you do kind of fall into, at least in my experience and folks I've talked to, um, it's you do fall into that trap of desperation and we will take anybody. And it does take some time to sort out, um, uh, you know, that that vetting process of who you really want to work with. Right. So what's what's the balance when you're starting out? So you don't want to just take everybody, but you're desperate for money to keep the lights on. So you know, if you're starting up a business like that, you probably are going to just take everyone, right? And it, and it's it's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, again, once you're in there for about a year or so, or when you're just kind of looking at when you see the phone ring and you have caller ID and it's Joe Schmo, and you're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> We look. Let's be honest. Everyone listening, yeah, you, you, you have you, those clients. You have those, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's important to know. You know what is this? Is this certain customer? Do they generate enough revenue for me to handle the either the depression or the anger yeah. or whatever it may be yeah, that yeah. you may have? Right. What, what is it? And so really be looking at. You know, my ideal client is a person that has. You know. Um, you know. Just, for myself at Timberland, you know, I'm looking always for people who have under $10 million in revenue. I'm, I absolutely love working with real estate owners or anyone who wants to buy commercial real estate or anybody that has a lot of vehicles and have a lot of vehicles and equipment needs. Right. That is in general what I look for. So looking for, okay, now I sit back, how can I get in front of those people? How, how do I find them? You know, there's plenty of places on the internet where you can find these types of names to try to be creative on things, but you need to find whatever that is. And so it's going to take you time to research and find those avenues. And it's going to take you some time to experience folks that you work with when you are in that desperation mode and you're taking anybody that walks in the door or anybody that picks up the phone and calls you. um, It takes you a little bit of time to figure out who's just too big of a pain in the ass to, to warrant the amount of money, the the volume of money they spend. That's right. Um, who is is wanting me to do things that aren't very profitable, if at all? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, it takes a while to kind of sort out who who you want to go get. So, um, and then once you do, then you can kind of begin customizing your marketing to find those folks. And I think that's the key point you're getting at is exactly, um, you know, two separate things here. One is figure out who you want to work for, and that may take some time. It might be you might know from from out the out the gate. Right. I suspect that even though you may know that coming out of the gate, you're going to have to lower your standards to get started and just get some money coming in just to keep the doors open. Absolutely. Um, but at some point, you're going to want to begin uh, focusing on who your preferred customer is. Mm-hmm. And that way, you can begin customizing your marketing and your appearance to attract those those kind of customers. Right? Absolutely. Right. So uh, now that you've identified your, uh, uh, your ideal customer, uh, for whatever reason, again, could be profitability on certain kinds of jobs or, or people who are easy to work with or people who get you and that kind of thing. Step two, uh, I would put down as uh, understanding the things that your industry doesn't do well. So one of the things, you know, I were talking a couple weeks ago, um, I mentioned this, I don't know, two years ago, I think, in the class that you attended. Mm-hmm. And I recommend at that time listing out the three to five things that your industry sucks at. And I hate to break it to you all, but Every industry, and three to five is probably a pretty <laughs> modest number to start with. True. There's probably a lot more, but um, pick the three to five things that you know that your industry is not good at from the customer's perspective, not from your perspective. Right. Oh, and by the way, price can't be one of those three to five things. It can't be how much it costs to do the thing because we would all default to customers don't like paying too much money for you know banking fees or plumbing mm-hmm. or 
real estate commissions or you know whatever. So so forget price. What are the three to five things that your industry is not good at from the customer's point of view? And why do you think that's important? You know, what, what, what are we trying to accomplish with that? Well, you know, in, in banking, they're obviously just like plumbing and any other industry, just like you said, it, it can be um, crazy. Um, but for banking, you know, trying to, if you have a customer come up to you and say, hey, I have a $10,000 loan request. There's plenty of bankers out there that just kind of roll their eyes. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, if they ask for $2 million, oh. Now we have your attention. Well, yeah. hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's totally different. And so well, that's one of the things that I kind of strive to to make myself different is treating every client like a million-dollar client. Right. And, and really being able to do that. And so one of the things um, that I did that I, I know you brought up on your uh, podcast um, previously is I do the South Sound Small Business Summit. Right. I wanted to have a room full of potential customers right. and I wanted to give back to the community at the same time. Well, what's better than putting on your own event? Now for anyone listening who's ever put on an event, you, uh, it's a lot of work. Right. It's a lot of work, but it's, you definitely get excited about it. And at the very end, you, you should feel rewarded. If not, maybe it's something you don't do. Right. Um, but again, having those people in the room is, is, is a part of that too. So how do you make them feel like a million dollars? How do you, how do you give them the tools that they need? How do you be different? Right. And so, um, and we'll get to your South Sound uh, um, Business Summit, and we'll get to those event things in a little bit. On the, on the three to five things that we're talking about, mm-hmm. why, why is it important to identify those things? Why is it important, do you think, to, to take the time? To, if we're telling, telling people to take the time to figure these things out, why, why is that important? So one of the things I would suggest is you would then create procedures and policies to overcome those things. Yep. And then that way you can roll those things that you do to overcome the things that your industry historically is not very good at into your presentation when you're meeting potential customers and, by the way, to retain existing customers. So, you know, I'll give you some examples. Um, um, plumbing, obviously, is my background, so plumbing is super easy. Um, anybody who's ever hired a contractor has experienced any or all of the following. <laughs> um, they show up late. Yep. They don't call when they're on the way. Um, they don't show up at all. Sometimes mm-hmm. they tell you you're going to get you a bid the next morning. Uh, the bid doesn't come. Uh, you call their voicemails full. Uh, the price is going to be well beyond the original quote. I mean, these are all, this is a number of things that just contractors and plumbers are no different than any other contractor in this regard. Um, they're historically not very good at. So our mission was to fix that and mm-hmm. make, and stand out as a co- contractor who sucked the least in those, in those categories. Right. <laughs> um, and that takes some specific effort. So, in, in, in banking, one of the, one of the things that um, bankers do from a customer's—I'm not a banker, so from a cu- customer's perspective—is <laughs> you know uh, during the loan process or once a year or twice a year or whatever, they send you a number of things that here you need to fill this form out. Mm-hmm. And I've given the example a number of times. Um, the reason Paul is our banker, for those of you listening, Paul is our banker. The reason Paul's our our is our banker when the time came for us to go through this process. Um, I got two or three really good referrals from colleagues on good bankers. And Paul was the only one who filled out the personal financial disclosure form for me. And you remind me of that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and and, and that, was, that saved me an hour. Yeah. You had all the information, and one of us had to fill it out. Ordinarily, it would be me. Uh, you took the time to fill it out, and that's why you're my banker. And, wow. And, and – and <laughs> New those, <rule>. those, yeah, <laughs> those are the kind of things I'm talking about. Yeah, so, uh, if you're, and again, it, it, it's a necessary thing to fill out this personal financial disclosure form. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but it's time consuming. It's a pain. And if you're yeah. if you're running a business, you don't have time to just break away and fill out forms. That's true. And uh, so that's something. You know, if you're you know, for any bankers listening, that's something you can you could try, right? <laughs> no, you don't have to. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so every industry has those things, and you know we've given examples of plumbing and banking, but you know realtors have their issues. Absolutely, insurance people have their issues. I mean, everybody has their things that that they need to work on. And if you don't know what those three to five things are, you just need to that. This is where you need to get your pen out and write this down. This is something you need to get on like today, like not next week, mm-hmm. not put on your list of things to do. Figure out today. This is really one of the key things in differentiating yourself from your competition is figuring out from the customer's perspective. What's a pain, and how am I going to fix it? And then, and then rolling that into your presentations. Absolutely, not just your presentations, but yeah, exactly. So when you meet with a client for the first time, you know, mentioning this is how I am different than others, right. and being able to have that. Right. And and when you're meeting with that client, saying, I know that this is what's not fun about dealing with my industry, mm-hmm. and here's how we overcome it. So first of all, they're going to be super impressed that you even care to think of it through, from their perspective. That's true. Uh, so you get some points for that, and then they're going to be super happy to hear that you've done some things to overcome it. That's true. Um, so you mentioned treating everybody like a million-dollar client. What, what do you mean by that? What, what's that mean when you say, I'm going to treat everybody like a million-dollar client? You know, again, everyone has a need, whether you're a small business, medium business, or large business. The needs are pretty much the same. It's just the dollar amount's different. Um, you know, you want to have an account that doesn't have a bunch of fees. You want to have a loan process that goes smooth. You want you want all of that. Right. And so how do you how do you offer that to them? And how do you make them feel special? Just like you said about the personal financial statement. Um, one thing I did um, probably about a year or so ago is I created a list of what are the tasks that I'm doing every single day or the things I'm talking about every single day and I've just got tired of repeating. Right. And so what I did is I made those list of what those were. And actually one of them, funny enough, was I don't know how to fill out the personal financial statement. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to create a video. Right. And I'm when I send out the personal financial statement, they'll have a YouTube link and you can go there and click and learn how to do it. Right. Now, of course, you can call me with questions, but sure. it saves me some breath and some right. heartache, et cetera. Right. And so that has been huge. So any form that people say, hey, how do you do that? I have a video that goes with it now. And so that's, again, think about what's in your industry. What are those things that you get asked all the time? It's a good marketing, but it's also good to kind of, you're giving them that information to make them feel like they, because a lot of times people don't want to ask you the question. They It may be stupid. Um, I had a person ask me today in my, in uh, not in my industry, and they go, what's a P&L? And right. I'm like, well, as a banker, I'm like, what? wait, what? Right. <laughs> I go, profit and loss. Oh, I've just never heard the term P&L before. Okay, gotcha. well, that's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Right, understood. So um, some other things that, that, you know, when people say, well, what, you know, what does it mean to, to, to treat somebody like a million-dollar client? So I think that in general we're saying the person who's asking for $10,000 in a loan versus the person who's asking for $2 million in a loan. I think we all kind of recognize that bankers internally are going to view those as different things. Correct. And if you're the person who is asking for the $10,000, it's not super fun to be feeling like you're being treated like the person who's only asking for $10,000. For instance, if I call a banker with a question on how to fill out a personal financial disclosure statement, mm-hmm. if I'm asking for $2 million, I, suspe- I suspect I will get an answer on that within eight minutes or so, give or take. That's right. If I'm the person asking for $10,000, it would feel not very good to get a response in 26 hours. Exactly. Um, those are the kind of things we're talking about. So uh, we're not talking about being thorough with the job. We're not talking about being thorough with 
the loan processing paperwork or or, or um, the, the plumbing is done to code or it's not done to code. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the experience for the customer. Treat everybody like a million-dollar client. Because, by the way, that person who's only asking for $10,000 might have a friend who needs $2 million. Yep. <laughs> And, uh, and recently, I just did a loan, a pretty small one, and you know, um, and this this business was fairly new. But I know someday that they're going to be much larger, and it's, right. it's it's again, it's nurturing that seed in the ground, and and doing that, and making sure. them feel special regardless of their need. Um, and it's as simple as little little small nuanced things like. If somebody calls and says, hey, I need this information, and you know the right person to, to get the information to them is somebody in a different department or a subordinate or the office or whatever, um, the default setting for most of us is we'll just call the office and get that. Yeah. Okay, which is fine. There's nothing really wrong with that. But imagine if you said, I will have my office call you and get you that. Now, the same, the same phone conversation is going to take place. But the notion that we're going to reach out to you because we're going to be proactive sends an entirely different message. And I'm just blowing you off like like the cable company. Correct. I'm just blowing you off and transferring you to, to this department because that's not my department. Mm-hmm. It has an entirely different feel to it. That's very true. And I don't think folks really have an understanding for um, those minor little things and what the, the impact of that minor little thing changing that from you need to call this person to I'll have this person call you. It's going to take you 14 seconds to send a text or call that person and ask them to call. The impact is massive. I think another thing is, too, is how fast you return their phone call, return an email. Right. You know, people say, oh, within 24 hours. That's a long time. Right. It depends. I mean, what's going on? If you are you need a truck for your business and you need it now. Right. I sound like that commercial. Yeah. <laughs> then you you need to call them back immediately and and be in a couple hours. And a lot of times when I call people back, they're like, "Wow, I didn't think you'd call me back so fast." Right. You know, I'm thinking to myself, "Well, well that's what I do. That's yeah. what you should do." Right. Um, and and I think uh, people do a poor job of understanding who gets to determine the 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 amount of emergency in this. So a person who needs a truck for their business, okay, well, yeah, if it's a long-term planning kind of thing, not a big deal. That's right. If their truck just got totaled by a, a semi, it was, you know, got T-boned, <laughs> and now they're out X amount of dollars a day because they now don't have a truck, that's an emergency. And I think that for people who are getting those calls, we make all kinds of assumptions and tell ourselves a story about how urgent this really is, and we prioritize it in our head based on what's going on in our lives, mm-hmm. and we forget that what our opinion of this being an emergency or not is not really relevant. <laughs> it's the person who's making the request. And by the way, who wants to give us some money? They're the ones who really get to pick if it's an emergency or not. Absolutely. There was a couple of weeks ago, I was really busy with a bunch of deals and one of my customers called up and goes, Hey, I need a truck. Uh, okay. What's your time frame? Well, it went through somebody's house. So I need one pretty quickly <laughs> Soon, to replace. Yeah. I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened, unfortunately. But um, so obviously, all of a sudden, she went from bottom of the pile to the top really fast. Right. And then the other th- the critical part about this is as your business grows and you hire staff, you have to teach your staff this. Chances yeah. are for folks listening, you may or may not have a good grasp of this stuff we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But the people you're going to hire absolutely are not going to have a grasp of it unless you teach them. At all. And yeah. you have to teach them. You have to make sure that they have it in their heart. Right. To be that servant and right. to, to give and to be quick. Right. And most don't. Yeah, and most don't. So now that you've got some of this stuff here sorted out, as far as you listening and, and you're, you're kind of you know understanding the things that you need to do, now you need to explain this to people. Now you need, when you encounter folks, you need to tell them, 
here's what I know our industry isn't historically very good at. Here's how we overcome that. Here's what makes us better than brand X. Mm-hmm. Here's what our response time is like. It's not 24 hours. It's two hours or whatever whatever you come up with that's a reasonable thing for you and your business. Or I shouldn't say reasonable, attainable right. thing for you and your business. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't recommend promising things you can't you can't hit. It sounds great to have a 15-minute response time, but if in actuality that happens 4% of the time, that's not a very good selling point. Under promise, over deliver. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So now you need your your thirty second or one sentence commercial, and we've all heard that a million times. You need your elevator speech, your thirty second commercial. Um, what I mean, you, you got what is it? Seven seconds to make a first impression or something like that. That's mm-hmm. what, what the math is on that. Uh, how do you how do you dial that in to to make a good first impression in in that short amount of time? I mean, definitely every industry is different. Um, there, there's people that I know through networking that I've known for years, and to this day, I still don't know what they do. Right, like like, like me. Well, <laughs> you asked if we did gas piping. Oh, that's that true. Funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's funny. But, I mean, there's certain people I just still have no clue, not even that they even what industry they're in. And I'm, right. just, and I'm baffled by that. And I so uh, some of the – if I know the person, I'd be like, hey – Come on now. I've actually right. had that conversation with one person. Right. Um, but I coming up with that, just kind of that basic, you know, that not necessarily 30 seconds, but heck, even one sentence. What do you do? If you're right. literally in an elevator, 30 seconds is too long. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I help businesses get money for their business. Boom. That's your one sentence. Commercial. It is that simple as that. Right. Um, and of course, if they're interested or whatever, then they'll 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 inquire on that. Um, but again, having that one sentence and thirty seconds, uh, you know, digging a little bit further. Like I said earlier, I like people under ten million dollars. I like people that have equipment and truck needs, and just be able to come up with a, right. with a really quick sentence on that. Right, right, right. And you know, one of the things with the the, the thirty second commercial that I've seen, and it cracks me up every time I see it. Um, and you know, I do a lot of networking. You do a lot of networking. Mm-hmm. We, we, we encounter a lot of folks. Um, and one of the things I hear repetitively is folks whose commercial is just a list of services. <laughs> and again, they don't, they don't work in the things that they know are pain points for their customer. They don't work in how they overcome that stuff. They don't work what's in what's special about them versus brand X. They just say, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And I do that, and I do that, and I do that, and I do that. Okay, well, great. Now I know what you do. I don't know why I should call you versus Brand X. Right. And and that's one of the things that uh, I would highly recommend. Again, for those of you taking notes, write this down. Work into your elevator speech, your 30-second commercial, your one sentence, whatever. What's different about you than Brand X? Because if all they know is a list of services, they may know three other people who do that. And unless you can tell them quickly what makes you special, you don't have a chance. I mean, you're, you're yep. wasting your time. And that's a, that's a good segue into the next thing is is understanding that people, when given the chance, do business with the person, not the company. Amen. <laughs> right. That is a huge piece. And that was something I learned probably about five or six years in my 20-year banking career is, you know, you know, people bank with me. If I move to another bank, they follow me. Well, obviously, I'm the reason why they work with so I said, you know, I'm going to start branding myself. Right. And so that's what I've done. So over the past four years, I've created a website, paultlong.com. I've, uh, and on there, it doesn't sell anything. It's purely giving information, giving information about what is an SBA loan? What is a term loan? Mm-hmm. What is this? What, right. How do you do a construction loan? That, n- most people don't know how to do that. Right. So if I create those types of things, 
it, it, it's a great way to give back, but also to brand yourself. Because if you're willing to give the information, if you're willing to sit down with somebody or provide the information through a website, you're you're becoming that that resource for them. And when there is a need, they're going to come back to you. Right, right. And I, I think that's a, a the, one of the things you said in the beginning. There was, um, you know, you're whatever organization you're at now. But if you move on to a different organization, you're still my banker. It's not. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm assuming that you know you were going to go somewhere that if if they do the kind of things I need sure. of course if they don't obviously that wouldn't be a good fit but <laughs> but I think that uh, this is one of the things that people really need to focus on is understanding that you are what's unique about your business mm -hmm. you not the company it's you what do you do differently what do you do better how do you excel are you the person that says we'll call you instead of call S Cindy in the office mm -hmm. or whatever um, that is the stuff people gravitate towards. I also think if you're a service-based business, you're more apt to that as well. Um, right. You know, product-based businesses, you know, you can go online and do the thing. But with a service-based business, I feel like they, they that relationship means even more. Right, right. And I think, well, I mean, even with, with product stuff, you can certainly, I mean, and more and more people are doing their own research and things like that. Um, I still am a person who enjoys going into the store when I'm looking at a product and talking to the person who's the expert because they know things that I should be asking that I don't even know I should be asking. Um, you know, cameras are a great example. Mm. You know, you, 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 there's one camera store here in Western Washington between like, you know, Muckleteo and Portland or something like that. Yep. And even though I know I'm going to pay a little bit more when I go there, it's true. I still go in there because I don't know the first thing about cameras. My wife loves cameras. When I go buy a camera, I don't even know what questions to ask. So I, I personally, I still have some. I still see the value of going in. But I understand a lot of folks are just shopping online and, and relying on the company's marketing to answer all your questions and things like that. Um, I do think that that anybody universally could, you know, create this image of themselves where they're just a fountain of knowledge. And by the way, it doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't always have to do with your business. You could be a fountain of knowledge. For things that don't relate to your business, just in being a person that's a good resource to call for. I mean, you're a great example of this. If somebody needed to know somebody who did roofing, if somebody who sold cameras, for example, or a good CPA, or uh, somebody to help build a retaining wall, I mean, you know a billion people. I mean, you know tons of people. Just something like that is, is marketing yourself as a resource. If you become the top of mind person that people think of when they need a, have a need of any sort mm -hmm. and you can be that resource i mean that's that's huge you know and you I, can't do that without the relationships absolutely and i get calls all the time for for stuff like that right yeah so on paultylong.com you it's it's mostly just informational yep and i think that uh and we'll talk about this a little bit more later also but i think one of the things that people try to do that is um baffling to me and backfires all the time <laughs> is where they say i have this great informational website and then it, at the end, there's always, uh, oh, and please buy this. Right. And it's always a promotional thing at the end. Mm -hmm. You have to remove that entirely. Absolutely. You have to become just a fountain of knowledge without any expectation that you're going to get anything in return and without any, any trying to work in your sales pitch into that. Right. Absolutely. Because people can see through that. Right. Uh, you know, again, if you went to like my website or whatever, there's not click here to buy now or right. whatever. I mean, again, I'm also a bank, so I have to work for a bank. Sure, sure, to do sure. It. But ex exactly. It's give that information, give it out all the way, whether you're networking. Sometimes I'll sit down with, with uh, a table full of, you know, networking people. I'm, I'm going to talk about, you know, what some of their needs are rather than me. Right. You know, talking about, oh, this is what I do. You know, what's your problem? Let's address it. Right. Kind of a thing. Right. And, and, and even, I mean, for, for people who are wondering, why would you possibly do that? Why would you spend all this time and, and monies in some cases, but mostly time 
crafting these things that are going to be read by somebody who may not be a client. That's true. They may not ever buy from you, but mm-hmm. they might send the article to somebody who will. That's right. I and mean, you just never know where that stuff's going to go nowadays. And that's why you have to have you know social media too, and be able to keep posting often. That's right. a that's a whole nother podcast episode on right. that. But that's definitely something that you know. Obviously, how can you get in front of them? Whether that's through social media or other means, right? So you mentioned uh, branding yourself in the in your in your website as part of that paultylong.com, mm-hmm. right? That's yep. what the website is, yep. right? So for those of you listening, paultylong.com. Um, but you're also the trusted business lender for the South Sound. I exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you created your own moniker there. And, I did. And, Absolutely. Uh, and it rolls right off the tongue. And, Absolutely. And you're the first one to have it. So <laughs> tough to everybody else that, that wishes they would have had it, right? Yep. And what's been kind of fun with that too is with with the marketing of my, the website and all that. There's my website shows up ahead of some other banks, which wow. is pretty awesome. Is I'm not gonna awesome. lie. Yeah. Um, so it's it's again it's fun to do that, but again it's very here's the information, and if I can help, hey, here's my phone number. But here you go. Right. <laughs> and our buddy Jake, he did the same thing. He is awesome, and um, he is just another great example of the same type of thing. You know, he is the car guy, and he, on his social media, you'll see him, you know, test driving a car, um, and you just, again, I think he recently moved uh, different um, dealerships, yep. but again, he is still Jake the car guy, and you right. do a great job of that, so yeah. good job, Jake. Good job, Jake. Jake Weidenbach, by the way, if you're wondering who that is, and, yeah. uh, I'm sure you can find him uh, through Facebook on, <laughs> on both of our accounts. That's right. Um, so then you, nowadays you have to, of course, like you mentioned, the social media is super important. You got to have the Facebook or the Twitter or the Instagram, whatever, whatever demo you're going after, Mm -hmm. you've got to kind of do that and, um, creating your own website, which you've done. And, uh, um, so let's go back to, to standing out and some of the personal touches that, uh, that again, work because only five, uh, Five percent is probably pretty generous. It's probably 2% of the, of the people out there Mm -hmm. who do this kind of stuff, which is why it stands out and why it works. Um, uh, talking about like handwritten birthday, thank Ugh. you, account anniversary cards. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so that's been something I've been doing for well over 10 years with with not just my key clients, my clients, period, right. regardless of size. Um, what I put in my CRM system when their birthday is, and I, I will fill out a handwritten card right. to every single person for their birthday. And then for their anniversary, not their wedding anniversary, but right. their anniversary of banking with Timberland Bank. I do think, you know, thank you. I did one the other day for 32 years with Timberland Bank. Wow. Well, I also picked up the phone after I wrote that card because I go, this just doesn't feel right. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, how do I make them feel special to be with anything for 32 years is, right. is impressive. Um, but having that handwritten card, I think, is important. And there's a lot of different, you know, I, for example, I get also get a card from a financial advisor that I have every single year. Right. And it's interesting because all what it is is just a signature and a business card inside. Yeah. Do not <laughs> put your business card in a birthday card. Right, right, right. An anniversary card? That's a little bit, you know, Maybe, hey, yeah. thanks for 30-some years. You know, I just remember I'm your banker. Right. But a birthday card, it just, ah. Uh, and um, uh, Kieran, as I mentioned, you know, a, a chocolate-covered dog, dog crap. crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that one is just, and it's true. It and is. And every, every time he said that, I'm just like, yep, that's. So for really those of you who don't know, uh, Kieran Murray, who was on the very first podcast yep. I did, uh, Paul and I both know him really well. He, he he has a name for those things that come across <laughs> as the guise of a happy birthday, but they're really a marketing uh, uh, piece. And he calls them chocolate covered dog crap. And I think that's a that's a fantastic uh, analogy for what you're getting. Um, don't 
allow yourself to send these things that are supposed to be under the guise of, hey, happy birthday. I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, don't forget my phone number or my fax number. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, and, and, and again, I understand that you, 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 you know, you go through all these marketing classes and you spend a lot of time and spend a lot of money and whatever. And you think, I got to get a return. I got to get a return. I got to get a return. Well, there's, there's a time and place for that. Mm-hmm. But there's also a time and place just to be gracious and say thank you. Period. End of story. I'm not. You've bought plenty from me. If you never buy another thing in the world from me, I'm happy with that. Thank you for what you've done so far mm-hmm. to support me and my family. That's right. And period. The end. Not thanks for all the stuff you've done. Oh, by the way, we have a great sale on Labor Day. Correct. <laughs> the other thing I do is uh, now once a month I will get Oreos or donuts and go to a client just to drop them off and say, "Hey, thanks for your business." Right. Something as simple as that. Again, it yeah. doesn't. Having those touch points, they know who you right. are. They're going to remember you. So don't just you know stick a bunch of yeah. business cards all over the top of it. Yeah. And um, if you feel that you're that financial advisor who has to send out the, the business card once a year, um, that's probably a red flag that you're not in touch with your client well enough. Absolutely. <laughs> or even just the signature. Make it personal. Right. Handwrite my name. Happy birthday and your name. It right. can be as simple as that, but make me feel special. Right. That is how you make yeah. a person feel like yeah. a million bucks. Uh, Cause uh, FYI, it's about the customer. It's not about you. And people forget that, <laughs> people all, forget the time. that all the time. <sighs> well, I got to make sure I get my value out of this. What's my ROI on this card I'm sending out? Forget that. So, and you mentioned the Oreos and stuff like that. We do a similar thing every month. We send out a handful of just, uh, um, edible arrangements or, wow. or, um, you know, peaches if they're in season or, you know, whatever we, awesome. we send out just stuff. And it's just a thank you. Thank you for everything that has happened to this point. And there's no solicitation. There's a card that says this is from the Plumbing and Drain Company. Thank you very much for everything. All you Period. need. End of story. And, and, and uh, uh, one of the things I wanted to, to bring up with this particular point, I heard this story about two or three weeks ago, and it's about Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil is worth something like $400 million or something like that. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a wow. crazy number. <laughs> but Dr. Phil got his start with Oprah. Yep. All right, so um, he goes on as a get. If I if I've heard the story correctly, and I'm I'm, pr- I'm sure I'm screwing some of it up, but uh, he goes on with Oprah as a guest, and everything goes well. And he he as he's leaving, he finds out what her favorite kind of flower was, and then a couple of days later, he sent one or I think it was numerous. I think he sent like several of these kinds of flowers, whatever it was, petunias wow. or roses. I don't I don't know what it was. Um, but he sent, a num- I think, multiple of these things just as a thank you. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity. And two things happened. One, she then started promoting him, and he became worth $400 million because <laughs> of her audience and getting exposure. And he started his own show and he's written books. And now he's uh, co-founder of uh, On Demand, or Dr. On Demand. I mean, he's, he's gotten a Did lot that. of opportunity because of his, his exposure that Oprah gave him. So that's one thing that happened. The second thing that happened was she reached out to him later and said, in 29 years or whatever it had been at that point, 19 years, you're the only person that's ever done this. Only person. I mean, Oprah had an audience of, it was like oh my gosh. 30% of the people in the country were watching her. Or whatever, you know, 10%. I don't know, I don't know what the number was, but it was a huge, massive audience. And she had done this thing with uh, the book of the week and all these kinds of things where she brings folks right. on. He was the first one in X amount of years to ever send a thank you that was a personalized thing like that. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts. You so. never know what you're, what that one little piece of kindness will do. Right, right, right. Wow. So um, one of the things I, I want to get back to, you, you started talking about earlier. So um, hosting events that your clients care about. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of things here. One is um, 
finding out what events that they do or mm-hmm. go to or whatever and right. offer to host those. Correct. Um, sponsor, sponsor. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the things that, that you've done that's interesting is when you maybe couldn't find what you were looking for, you just created your own. You make it. You make it. That's right. And the South Sound Business Summit is a great example of that. Um, it's during the Small Business Week, first week of May every mm-hmm. year, right? Yep. It's on that Friday every year, right? Yep. Um, you get 150 or whatever people there to just come listen to speakers that are educational and inspirational and all that kind of stuff. Um, how many how many how many minutes do you commit to selling banking in that thing? Zero. Zero. The first the first time I did it, so this this upcoming year is going to be the fifth year that I'm doing, which I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. I did, I did yeah. sucker for five years. Yeah. But my first year, I was like, oh, I'm going to make this all about banking. And people, either you're interested in it or yeah. you're not. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know, when you take that out of the picture and you just, what do you want as an attendee? What do you need? Right. Just like here, if people are listening to this podcast, you know, please email Brian the topics that you want to hear because right. so we can make sure that we're addressing that. And it's the same thing with the summit. Be creative and have, in, in this case, the room actually picks the speakers for the following year. Right. So I know exactly what I'm going to be doing for next year, and I just got to go out and find the speakers. And Perfect. It's, and it, that's why the attendance grows each and every year is because of that. And it's, right. it, it's huge. And, you know, I'm the MC, so I get that FaceTime, and right. that, that's a key thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, you pack the room with 150 people who are either running or owning a business. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm guessing 93.5% of your ideal customer? <laughs> uh, pretty much. Absolutely. Because, again, how do you market? <laughs> right. So so uh, you do this thing where you, you create this event where they, where that they want to come to. Right. So you don't create an event about banking because you would have seven people there, not 150 if people that. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people, by and large, aren't going to show up to a banking seminar, I nope. would imagine. Um, you create something that they get value from, that they want to go to, that has nothing to do with your business. Sure. You do it to get them in the room and to give back to those who are existing clients. You just mm-hmm. say, hey, this is a great thing I'm going to do just just because. You devote, I don't know, 100 hours a year to that thing probably. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, it's, seriously, it's, yeah, it's, it's probably 50 it or 100 hours Absolutely. a year. Yep. Um, that's a huge time commitment, mm-hmm. and there's no there's no marketing pitch. Right. I'm not there. Hey, you know, sign up for your checking account on the way out. No, that's not that's right. not it. It's it's truly so, give back. So for people listening who again who are probably running or managing or, or owning a business, time is the is the key thing that you don't have in life. That's nope. just how it works. You when you when you run a business, you don't have time until you are many, many years in and you've built a layer of people, you know, you've grown your company and you have a layer of people under you to handle a lot of stuff. Then you start getting some time. But for those those folks listening who are saying you're out of your mind, I don't ha- I don't have any time to spend with my kids to go to their baseball games now. Why would I possibly commit a hundred hours a year to creating an event? What would you say to that? I'm sure you may have staff members you can delegate to, um, but think about the opportunity. Every year after that summit, I get phone calls and appointments from that. Again, even though I'm not necessarily directly selling, you got to make time for what's important. In your business, right? If if you're spending a hundred hours in something and it's not providing any sort of return, dump it, right? <laughs> but if it is giving you some sort of value, or you think it's going to give you some sort of value, invest in it. Mm-hmm. You have, a, you know, most people have other employees that you can help with that. Right. You can hire event planners. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have to pour some money into it, right? Um, and some time, of course, but. Just do it. Right. Give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, hey, now you know yeah. and you move on. But I, I'm a huge believer of looking at your industry, seeing what people are not doing, and that's what you focus on. Right, right. Uh, uh, yeah. 
So, uh, again, just to be super clear on this, the people you have come speak aren't in the banking industry. Nope. They're motivational speakers or they have some kind of business expertise. They yep. teach, you know, this accounting or they teach insurance maybe I, I, or there's motivational mm-hmm. speakers or whatever. Um, there's not there's not a banking twist to any of that stuff. Nothing. So for those of you listening who are in roofing, let's say, yeah. you, you're saying, well, how do I get people there and, and uh, find speakers they want to listen to? Well, you find speakers they want to listen to. You Ask your customers ask what they want yeah. to hear. Right, right, right. And, and then, put something together. And a landscaping seminar that's sponsored by XYZ Roofing or whatever. Right. And just make, make it right. work. Right, right, right. So that's a, that's a fantastic idea. Again, if there's if there's events out there that you can that already exist, obviously that'd be way easier if you could just sponsor or show up and network at or whatever, uh, host those things. Um, uh, that would be easier, obviously. But again, if there isn't one, make one. You know, absolutely. It, 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 if nobody else is doing it, this is how you stand out. And that's what that's all the stuff we're talking about here. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk to you about today is uh, you know you're talking about just do this stuff. Um, you know, marketing and prospecting, all that kind of stuff, is one of those things that everybody says you got to spend fifty percent of your time doing this. And there's, as we talked about last week, there's, you know, forty three things you got to spend fifty percent of your time on. So right. the math doesn't really work out. But true. Um, one of the things that that you mentioned and I've seen myself is uh, p- prospecting and marketing. I mean, when I say marketing, I don't mean having a website. I mean right. actively, personally marketing. Correct. Um, those are things that people always are going to get to but they rarely ever get to <laughs> it is the last thing on your to-do list right you know oh i gotta go to lunch after lunch yeah. i'll start prospecting yeah. oh and my then, phone ring i had oh, this exactly quote, unquote emergency that probably could wait for three days but now i got a reason not nope to sorry and, yeah. got a prospect you know th- there's a lot of things out there um i've read some books in the past and one of them was make 10 calls by 10 a.m so when you get into the office you know, it strikes nine o'clock, make 10 dials right? Um, or send 10 letters or just do 10 things by 10 o'clock, right. whatever that is. Um, and you can make up your own number or however you do that, but make it the prospecting, the first thing on your list, right. even though you want it to be the last. Sure. Um, when I come in in the mornings, I have my, my, I have a certain routine of certain things that I market to each morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do maybe some birthday cards for that week. I did them this morning for whoever's birthday was this week. Yep. So I don't just send them all out January 1st for January yeah, birthdays. Right, People right. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you get it close to your birthday, it's a little bit right. more special. Right. Um, and doing those activities, then start returning phone calls and, and, and you know doing your day. Right. So I liken prospecting to going to the gym. Uh, you, it's one of those things that you, on the way there, you're not super excited about maybe doing it even. You might not be super excited about, but man, do you feel accomplished when you're done? Absolutely. And it sets your day off on the right tone. You got the, you got the hardest part done early. If you, if you do your prospecting by 10 o'clock, that's fantastic. You get the hardest part done early and you have the whole rest of the day to look forward to. And cause if you don't, it, for me anyway, if I were to try to go to the gym at 8 PM every night, mm-hmm. I would have. 14 and a half hours to talk myself out of it every single day. And I would pop my batting percentage of getting to the gym would be somewhere between three and 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, versus if I just get up in the morning and just, that's my routine as I just get up and go, my batting average is probably 90%. Yep. And I think prospecting is the same way. Either you have to set these goals like you're talking about by 10 a.m. or you have to calendar time on your calendar, put time on your calendar that says, I'm going to do it here and then actually do that mm-hmm. <laughs> and not find the reasons not time to do blocking. it. Time blocking. Right. Yep. Um, and, and I think... 
um, like I'll give an example of, you know, a lot of people who do letters and phone calls. Oh, I hate cold calling. Cold calling doesn't work. Letters don't work. Right. Oh, I, I had that mentality for a little while as, as well. Um, and so w- I got one per customer that called me on one of my letters. I'm like, oh, cool. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it does work. That's why I do this every morning. Right. Um, and since then, that customer has now given me probably about $6 million in new business. Yeah. All from a letter. Yeah. And when I tell people that, they're just kind of like, what? Right. It works. Right. It absolutely and, works. And the thing with cold calling, I, and I tell people this all the time, and I, again, I know people hate it. I know they don't like doing it, and I know they, they resist. But one of, the, one of the ancillary benefits of cold calling is, let's say you go out and you cold call your 10 places this morning, and you get zero business out of it. But what you will walk away with is the questions your, cust- your potential customers and your ideal customers are asking. Mm-hmm. If you don't stay plugged into that and you don't stay tuned into that, how could you possibly write your blog and your marketing piece? And what could you put on your, on your Facebook page that would be of interest to them if you don't know what's of interest to them? That's right. How, how can you possibly just sit in your isolated office and suppose what all these people are wanting to hear about if you don't actually know? You're, you're going to be writing the wrong stuff. So. If nothing else, it's a good exposure to you to what your customer feels about your industry, your company, um, whatever. I mean, you're just gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna be tuned into what people are thinking, and for whatever reason, we don't see the value in that. And I think I think that's at least as big a value as the sales you're going to gain from it. Yep. And don't be afraid to you know have a certain day where I'm just gonna go out and I'm gonna go talk to people. Right. I'm gonna go knock on doors, right. and boy, do people! I guarantee one percent of people listening to this podcast will actually do that. Yeah, but you'd be amazed again that 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 face to face. If you're really looking to establish a relationship, right, that's how you're gonna do it is face to face. Letters, phone calls, yeah, they have their place and they're kind of quote easy, but in person, that right. is the way to market. Yeah, and and you know uh, one of the things that I've done successfully with with folks I do sales calls with or or trade shows or whatever is rather than going through my list of services again, the whole conversation is tell me two or three things I'm doing wrong and tell me two or three things I'm doing right. Period. Awesome. And again, if you don't ask, they're not going to tell you. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to tell you you have an ugly baby, right? <laughs> uh, but if you ask True. and you give them permission to tell you, they will absolutely tell you things you can do to improve. Absolutely. Um, and again, I know it's cold calling is scary. Nobody likes to be told no and re- we hate rejection and blah, 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 blah. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's a tremendous amount of, of value in that. So, I mean, think about all the books that are out there on that topic. Obviously, right. they work if there's that many books out right, there. With right, those. Right. Well, Paul, uh, thanks a lot for coming in again. Oh. I sure appreciate you having in. You're always a wealth of knowledge about banking and even stuff not related to banking. Um, so, again, Paul Long here, Senior Vice President, Senior <laughs> Vice President at Timberland <laughs> Bank. Uh, PT Long at TimberlandBank.com, or you can reach him at 253 671 3037. Thanks again for coming on. We appreciate every Thanks, time Brian. you come on. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back again. Um, let's see here. Next week, we're going to have Greg Anderson, author of Small Business Sales W2E, WTF, which stands for Without the Fear, for those of you listening out there. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not what your kids walk around saying. Uh, we'll have Greg Anderson on to talk about all kinds of sales tactics. And uh, so it's going to be committed entirely to sales next week. So uh, thanks for listening. Hope you all have a great day, and I'll talk to you next week. Oh, thank you.